Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, move it over. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the well here at STSA. My name is Father Anthony. We're so happy to have all the friends and family members here today. If you're just joining us here today for the first time, I say welcome to you. And I say, just like Joe and Katie said, that we're super happy that you're here. We got a lot of fun planned. Let me tell you a little something that you need to know about the well into today's message. There's two things that you must know about the well here at STSA. Two things. One of, them all, one of them I say all the time. One of them I don't say as much, but it's important that you know it. First thing that I always say is that the well is an ordinary place where extraordinary stuff happens. And I believe that with all my heart and soul, mind and strength, that today you came to an ordinary room. You're going to listen to an ordinary guy sitting next to some or, sitting in ordinary seats, hopefully some slightly more than ordinary coffee, but either way, you got what you got. But I believe that extraordinary stuff can happen Amen. And will happen because we are not just here alone, but we are here gathered in the presence of God. And when God is in the room, you never know. You might be the extraordinary something God wants to do today. Might be in your life, might be in your family. You never know. But here's the other thing that I want to tell you today is that my goal in preaching every Sunday, how I determine what it is I'd like to speak about, like how I kind of set the agenda for, for the talks right here, is my goal every Sunday is to be helpful. My goal every Sunday is to share something with you, something that you hear on Sunday that can help you on Monday, is to have some part of your life. We have a runner. We have a runner. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, cheerleader over there. Okay, we got the runner and the cheerleaders. My goal is to be helpful. That something that you'll hear on Sunday will benefit you somehow on Monday. And I'm going to prove to you today, because what I'm going to talk about here today and for the next couple weeks is a disease that we all struggle with. And it's something that all the people that live today struggle with disease, and it's actually been clinically diagnosed. It's called OCD. You've heard of OCD, right? Obsessive comparison disorder. You've heard of it, right? Obsessive comparison disorder, hashtag the struggle is real, is when, is when you determine your value or where you stand based on where everybody else is. So you don't look in the mirror as much as you look out the window. You don't look in the mirror to see where you stand. You look out the window to see where everyone else stands and then determine where you are based on what you see out there. So for example, it doesn't matter if your kids are smart. It matters are they smart compared to the neighbor's kids, especially the ones you don't like. It doesn't matter what you, your job and your career and how much money you're bringing home. It matters how does that compare to what your brother is doing and what he's going to brag about at Christmas or Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter how big your home is. It doesn't matter how new your car is. It doesn't matter how fancy your shoes are. It doesn't matter what you ate for breakfast. All that matters is compared to what everyone else is eating and wearing and driving and living in. Once upon a time, there was a lady, family, but the lady in particular, who lived in a house with eight-foot ceilings. And she hated her eight-foot ceilings. She hated it. Finally, they bought a new house that had nine-foot ceilings. And this was the only thing she wanted. Like, all she wanted was nine-foot ceilings so that I can breathe because I can't breathe in the eight-foot ceilings. She gets the house with the nine-foot ceilings, and she loves her house with nine-foot ceilings until she visits someone else whose house is ten-foot ceilings. And now every time she comes home after that, she feels like she has to duck. She feels like she can't stand up straight because now she compared it to someone else's house. You go home after church today. You go home and watch the Redskins game. You enjoy a nice meal. You, maybe like me, 
Nothing wrong with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Everyone loves a good PB&J sandwich. Nothing wrong with it. You go home, you sit on your couch, you have your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you feel good. Then you turn on the show social media and you see your best friend or about to be former best friend, okay, who posts the picture at the beach with, you know, the, the organic, all natural, soy-based, hummus, wrap, natural, whatever, hashtag clean eating, like whatever it may be. And she's got the feet up and you know, you know the picture with the feet, right? Like the, the toe picture, okay? But even though it's a picture of her food and her toes, she somehow managed to sneak her engagement ring in the picture. <laughs> and all of a sudden you were feeling good after church, but all of a sudden you're like, my life sucks. Like, I'm all by myself. I'm watching TV by myself. I'm eating the same sandwich that a fourth grader eats after school. Totally content one minute. Totally uncontent, discontent the next. That's what OCD is all about. And the Bible speaks about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise, are not wise. Bottom line, scripture says, all that comparing is gonna get you in trouble. It's gonna get you in trouble. Either you're gonna feel bad about yourself or you're gonna feel like you measure better, which is gonna lead to pride, which makes you feel spiritually bad about yourself, which is bad. No win is not wise. And just to show you how this happens to all of us, it just happens to all of us. And none of us is exempt, I'm not exempt from just because I preach and have the notes in front of me doesn't mean I'm, not, I'm exempt from it. Some are just concluded back to school night, okay, and back to school, and everything is back to school, so when you see the families at back to school night or at the sporting events, and you're sitting chatting with other parents, the common question is, hey, how was your summer? Hey, how was your summer? Like, where'd you go? Did you go anywhere fun? And I'm telling you, we're sitting there after the, the, the soccer practice waiting for the kids, and it's like a game of one-upmanship, okay, so one says, went to Virginia Beach. Oh, that's nice, Virginia Beach, and the other one said, oh, we went to Florida. Oh, you went to Florida. Were, we, wait, were you on the, 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 the ocean side? We were on the Gulf side, okay, and one person took a, a cruise to Alaska, okay, one person did an educational trip to, like, Greece and Rome, and, and like, I'm listening to all this stuff, and all of a sudden, like, my five nights in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at the Grizzly Bear Inn didn't seem so great anymore, <laughs> and I just all of a sudden felt like, like, I was so happy with my vacation, but until I heard all this, I'm like, did I miss out? Like, am I supposed to be in Rome? Like, am I supposed to be touring the world? Like, my, my kid's gonna be behind, gonna be in therapy because they, they went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for their vacation? This series is called Highlight Real because what we wanna talk about, OCD, obsessive comparison disorder, is when we make unfair comparisons. When we compare, other people's highlight reels with our behind the scenes. We compare other people's highlights with our underneath the, inside the closet or underneath the bed. And instead of looking at highlight reels, R-E-E-L, what we want to do is highlight real, R-E-A-L. And we want to talk about what's real. And we want to stop falling victim to this unfair comparison of where we look at just the highlights people are posting because nobody posts a picture of when their kid threw a temper tantrum. No one posts a picture of when they got the F on the exam even though they studied. No one takes the picture, like I said, of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich that they're eating all by themselves again. But that's real. And what we want to do in this series is get away from highlight reels and we would like to highlight real. Let me tell you what's real. I saw this 
headline on, a, on an article on the internet. And it says, dun, 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 breaking news, Facebook makes you unhappy. And it makes jealous people particularly sad study finds. This basically was a study done in 2015 by the University of Copenhagen over there on the other side of the world. And it was a study of 1,100 active Facebook users who were students at the University of Copenhagen. People were active on Facebook. And they took these 1,100 active Facebook users and split them into two groups. It's a very simple exam. It's a simple study. Split them into two groups. One half, continue as is. The other half, stay off Facebook for one week. One week. Not, not, not a month, not a year. But what would be the impact of one week off of Facebook? And basically what they did is they assessed them before and after. And they asked them questions. So questions were in three categories. Category one was about your general satisfaction with life. Okay, how are you feeling about life? And they asked them to rank things from like one to 10. And then they asked them about certain negative feelings and certain positive feelings. Negative feelings like how often do you feel anxious or lonely or angry, all right? And then certain positive feelings, how your level of happiness and enjoyment, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. Ready for the results? On a scale of one to 10, on average, the group that avoided Facebook, their average satisfaction with life, general satisfaction, how satisfied are you with life, went from 7.5 on average to 8.1 in a week. So that is for you who, like students, that's a C, 7.5, and went to 8.1. That's a B in one week off of Facebook. More significant, I think, was when they asked them about certain negative feelings. Anger. Okay, this is the group now that, that, that avoided the Facebook. Anger went from 20% down to 12%. Depression from 33 down to 22. Sad, 34 down to 20. I'm sorry, sad, 30, 34 to 22. Depressed, 33 to 22. And loneliness went down from 25 down to 16. Of course, in addition to that, they asked them about how their focus is, and the focus went through the roof, and asked about how much time they wasted this past week, and obviously, that one doesn't even need answer because the amount of time wasted was significantly down. And that led them to the following conclusion that's taken straight from their study. This again, this was in Copenhagen. That's why I talked about Danish people. 3.5 million Danes have a Facebook profile and most of us check the Facebook newsfeed daily or even several times a day. However, the constant stream of friends, baby photos, skiing holidays, and job successes seems to make us less satisfied with our own life. It's not my opinion, but this in one week proves what I see all the time is that there is a problem. And look, just so you know, I'm not like anti-social media and anti-Facebook. I'm not saying it like that. Social media is not evil. It's just a, t it's just a tool. It's a technology. It's, it, what it does is, is it makes a problem that we have even harder to overcome because it gives us a tool about where we can really get ourselves in trouble. But the problem is not the social media. The problem is what's on the inside, is this constant need to compare, to look around, look left and right, or we should be honest, to scroll up and down, to see where I stand, to measure where I am by where everybody else is and get myself a measurement from there. OCD is real. And if you are not careful, it will destroy your life you are not careful about this comparison thing, you will find yourself unable to function in reality. And instead of living in reality, the place where you're supposed to live, you will find yourself living in your mind in a far, far, far away land called the land of Ur. Have you heard of the land of Ur? You will find yourself always in the land of Ur. The land of Ur is where you are happier and where you are thinner. 
and where your wife is prettier and your grades are better and your tweets are retweeted er okay and if you are not careful with this ocd stuff you will find yourself unable to function in reality and always desiring to get to a place that you can never actually reach and it's not just you it's not just affect your life if you're a parent you'll always be driving your kids not to be smart but to be smarter them not just to do well in their reading group but to be in, in the reading group that is higher you want to make sure that when they apply to college that they don't just get into a good school but they get into good earth school you don't know where i'm going with this thing the end result of ocd let me just kind of let me just draw the end of this line right here just where it is when we're going to come back and try to figure out how to deal with it but let me just show you if you don't deal with this let me show you where you're going to end up and you know this is to be true because you've dealt with this in some we'll never admit this but you know this is true if you don't deal with the comparison thing you know where you're going to end up you never want to admit it but you will end up in a place where a little piece of you tiny little piece is happy when people when other people fail is my microphone cutting in and out is it bothering you guys? I get a handheld if that's bothering you. If it does it again, I get a handheld. You will find yourself in a place where a little piece of you, a tiny little piece that you don't want to admit, is happy when other people fail. You're happy when the girl, the thin girl, is dumb. You won't admit it. You won't admit that you're happy, but a little piece of you is kind of like, oh. You won't admit it, but you know when the perfect couple, the perfect couple, their home is perfect, their, their, their car is perfect, their kids are perfect, their hair is perfect, and all of a sudden they have a bump in the road. And you're just like, you know the kid, you know the kid who I'm talking about, parents, you know the kid who from like age three was reading Shakespeare? Like, you know that kid? Like that kid who like knows his calculus and his math tables and could tie his shoe better and he didn't even need the velcro thing like you know that kid who's good at sports and good at school and he's always that kid and then all of a sudden you he went to the principal's office you're just like i knew it had to be too good to be true <laughs> you won't admit it and you won't say it but that's what ocd does that's what the comparison does and none of us want that like like let's be honest like this is this is bad i don't even want to admit this but let's be honest Sometimes it's even people that we love, people that we care about, people that are like our family members, and a little piece of us, what is that? That's what happens with OCD if it's untreated. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Okay, here's our key thought for today that I'm telling you. It's, it, I'm going to say it, it's not going to sound very profound, but I promise you, if you can take what I'm about to say, and you can do this, and you can remind yourself of this, like, you know how sometimes I go into people's houses, and I find like a verse, or like a little slogan thing above the fridge, or like on the mirror, this is one of those phrases that if you can like, like take this phrase, and like ingrain it inside your, 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 your being, your inner being, teach it to your children, like some that you practice 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 i'm telling you it's a game changer should i use this microphone okay is that good okay y'all ready there's no win in comparison say that with me say there's no win 
in comparison altogether. There's no win in comparison. I'd say I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Okay, there's how we're going to do it today. We're going to do rhyming today. There's no win in comparison. I'm telling you, it doesn't sound like it's that big a big deal. Like it's that much of a life changer. But I'm telling you, if you can ingrain this thought in your head that there's no win in comparison, there's no finish line, there's no end, there's no satisfaction, there'll always be more er. There'll always be a job that is higher. There'll always be a house that is bigger. There'll always be a husband who is, who is slimmer or a wife who is prettier or a hair that is straighter or, or kids who are smarter. There'll always be more er out there. And as long as you are living your life comparing to others, you're never going to be satisfied. You'll always be chasing, 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 and never actually getting anywhere. The question that I ask you right now, and you need to be honest, how much turmoil are you bringing to your life because of OCD? How much turmoil are you bringing into your life because of constantly comparing and constantly looking left, right, or like I said, scroll up, down? For example, let's start easy. Financially, how much financial turmoil might you be in because of your need to compare? I'm not saying it's true, like we all got different circumstances, but some of us, if we're honest, we're in debt today. We're in a bad place financially because we look around and because we, we're always trying to, to compare ourselves and our house isn't good enough, our, kid, our, our car isn't good enough, our clothes aren't good enough. And we may be putting ourselves in a bad financial situation because we can't help but look around. How about relationally? Relationally, is there any chance that you are driving the people around you crazy? Because you are always comparing them to others. It's not about your husband's job. Your husband's job was fine until your neighbor's husband got a new job. And then all of a sudden his job wasn't good enough. And he's not doing a good enough job providing for the family. Might you be pushing the people who are closest to you, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, driving them crazy because constantly comparing. And let me just tell you this. Let me just kind of erase this one excuse right off the bat. All right. Parents, listen especially closely on this one. The whole, I just want what's best for them. You said that one, right? That's nonsense. I just want my husband to be all he could be. I just want my kids to reach their full potential. That's a lie. You know what it's not? It's not about their potential. It's about us. It's not about my husband and what he is. It's about me as a wife. And what does it reflect on me when he is this way? And what does it reflect on me when she looks this way? And we say we want our kids and we want our husband and we want our wife and we just want our friends to reach their full potential. We just don't want people to think I married a loser. We just don't want people to think that my kids aren't smart. We just don't want people to think that we're not spiritual. We want to feel good about ourselves and we may be driving the people around us crazy. Last one, maybe not relational turmoil. Maybe it's personal turmoil. Maybe you don't drive the people around you crazy. Maybe you're just driving yourself crazy. Because maybe you don't ask yourself the question, am I smart? You don't ask yourself that. The goal isn't to be smart. The goal is, am I smarter than him? And if the answer is no, then I'm not smart enough. The goal isn't to be successful. Am I more successful than this person? And we're always measuring ourselves against everybody else. And then one day we look in the mirror and we say, I don't like who I am. I'm no good. And we beat ourselves up. We feel bad about ourselves. Not because of ourselves, but because we're comparing ourselves, our real to their highlight reel, and that's getting us into trouble. So what are we going to do about it? Here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to open the scriptures. Because the scriptures speak to just about every situation in life. We're going to open to a book of Ecclesiastes written by a guy named Solomon. And Solomon, for those of you who know the, the, the story of, of the scriptures here in the Old Testament, Solomon, like if you talk about the land of Ur, Solomon was the king of the land of Ur. Solomon was at the top of the food chain, everything. So riches, he was the richest. Success, he was the most success. Fame, he was the most fame. Big house, he had bigger houses. Like he had biggest, biggest like he, the ancient temple that he lived in. It's like one of the ancient wonders of the world. So Solomon was at the top of the food chain. Any Ur that you are trying to chase, listen carefully, he achieved it. Any Ur that you want to achieve, he obtained it. So let's listen to what he says about comparison and what life is like at the top of the food chain. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. He says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Let's just pause right here. He's writing thousands of years ago, and it's as if he wrote this yesterday. Because what he's saying is, as I look around, I survey the scene, and I see that what is driving people. I'm sitting here, Solomon is saying, I'm in the coffee line, and I'm just chatting, saying, hey, what do you do for a living? And this person's telling me about this and that. Or at the water cooler at the office. Or I'm checking on the Facebook for the feeds and stuff like that. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, you know what? What is driving people to, 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 to push? What is driving the actions that everyone is doing? And he's saying, what's driving people? The motivating factor is what? Envy. One person's envy of another. That he's looking around and saying, let me be even more blunt, that people were determining where they were based on where everyone else was. People were determining where they were based on where everyone else was. That he looked around to the office, and he's saying, all these people are climbing the corporate ladder. Why? Because that's where everyone else is. And all these people are pushing their kids, and pushing their families, and getting the home, and the car, and the whatever. Why? Because of envy of one another. The first thing, when I hear that, a little piece of me, and let's be honest, you too, this makes you feel kind of good, doesn't it? That it's not just me. That I'm not the only one. That you know what, it's not just like a disease that I have. Like Solomon is like, you know what guys, this is human nature. Human nature is to look around and to compare. But what he also says is, is that there's no finish line. It's chasing after the wind. Can you imagine someone actually trying to chase after the wind? Like imagine, like you have a bottle here and you're trying to get, like that. that's what he's saying is a life of always comparison. Okay, so what do we do Solomon? So we're not supposed to be ambitious, or we're not supposed to chase after accomplishments, or we're just supposed to, like, sit back, you know, fold our hands, and just trust God and pray. Is that what we're supposed to do? Well, Solomon speaks very clearly about that next verse. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So if you take this to, to mean, he's not saying, that I'm not saying don't, don't try to be successful. I'm not saying don't be ambitious. I'm not saying don't challenge your children. I'm not saying don't be the best you can be and re help others reach their potential. Fools do that. But what Solomon says, gold is right here what he says next. Gold. There's certain verses that are gold. This is gold. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, again, we just got to get the context here. Solomon. Who's Solomon? You want to be rich? Solomon had more money than you'll ever have. You want to be accomplished and famous and well-known and prestige? Solomon, people traveled across the world. To come see Solomon for an hour. To hear one word from Solomon's mouth. Solomon was the most famous guy ever. You want like a wife, a kids, whatever. Solomon had 300 wives. 
700 concubines. So Solomon was like a busy dude. But what Solomon says is all that is better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Look, if I took a survey on the street, if I took a survey in this room, if I took a survey anywhere, and I said, what do you want out of life? And I just gave the most generic question, what do you want out of life? 90% of the answers would be around one topic, would be around one general idea. People would say it in different ways, but if I say, what do people want out of life? What do you think people would say? People say, I want to be happy. I want to be at peace. I want rest. That's what everyone would say, right? That's some variation of that. And they might be chasing money because they think it gets them there. Or they might be chasing a relationship because they think it gets them there. But what people want is I want to be at peace. I want tranquility. Well, listen carefully. Because Solomon, the guy who got everything, see, we have nothing. And because we have nothing, we think that'll, that'll get us there. But Solomon got it. Solomon got what we're chasing. And he says, you really want peace. You really want tranquility. You really want to be happy. You really want to be satisfied with life. One handful with peace versus two handfuls with toil. And, and, and the picture that he's drawing for us, imagine someone with one hand open like this. Just one handful. Okay, and, and whatever's in there is in there. And you know when one handful is open, stuff might fall out. That's okay. Because you know when one hand is open, also someone could put more stuff in. So the, the first person, hand is open, and yeah, I don't have as much as other people. Some stuff falls out, but God puts in. And the, just like we sang that song, sometimes God gives, sometimes God takes. But I'm living at peace. Versus another guy with two handfuls, but he's clenched them. Like even just do that. Like clench, clench your fists. Clench your fists. Everyone clench your fists right now. You, you clench as hard as you can. Like white knuckles kind. Like clench your fists. Okay? You're tensing up, and I'm tensing up for you on your behalf. Okay? Now open. See the difference? There's some of us. And we live this way to try to grab more and grab more. And then we try to put it in this and we try to grab more. And we clench everything. Even our teeth for some reason. I don't know why I'm clenching my teeth, but I am. And Solomon says, this is the way I want to live. You want peace? This is the way to live. Now, you may not want peace. You may just want to show up your neighbors. And if that's the case, yeah, go with the two-fist thing. But if you want peace, it's better one hand with tranquility than two with toil. And he goes on, verse 7. It says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Listen carefully to this one. There's a man with no son or no brother. What does that mean? No son, no brother. It means he had no one to leave his inheritance to. Right? It means he was basically, he was a, 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 a guy who, he may have been married, but even if he was married, you couldn't leave an inheritance to a wife back then. So you left it to a son or a brother, and he had neither. So you would think to yourself, someone who has no one to leave an inheritance to and is rich, 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 what's the point if he has no one to leave it to? But even him, there was no end to his toil. He kept, he was not content with his wealth. And you ask yourself, what purpose? Especially back then, there wasn't like savings funds or, five or 401k or anything. So just, what was the point of it? And then finally, next verse, the guy asked himself a question. How am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. And Solomon says it so eloquently, a miserable business. Chasing, climbing, 
clawing. And he gets to the top. Why am I doing this again? Why? Why I'm not enjoying life? Why I, I pushed all the people around me away? Why I stepped on people's throats? Why I got no brother, son, wife, love me? Why again? So I can have this? I hate this. This is a miserable business. Every single person needs to ask themselves a question, and I'm going to ask you a general question, and I'm going to ask you follow-up questions to really drill it home. Ask yourself this question. Who or what am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? That's the starting point of this series. Starting next week, we're going to get some, some details and some tactics and how we're going to do it. But here's the starting point. Everyone needs to ask themselves this question. Who or what am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? Because everyone has a reference point to tell them they're okay. It's my dad's approval. Or it's, you know, looking cool at the office. Or it's this group of ladies that I want to be, you know, in their eyes, whatever it may be. Who or what is going to be my reference point? Is it a certain amount of money? A certain size of house? Is it a certain status at the office? Like who or what is going to be my reference point to tell me I am okay? What Solomon said, if the answer to that question is to the left or to the right, you're going to be in trouble. The answer cannot be here. It has to be something higher, which we'll get to in a second. But before I leave this question, let me ask you some follow-up questions because I am annoying. Let me ask you some annoying questions. And be honest with yourself. No one's going to look at your answers. I'm just going to ask you the question. You discuss it with, your, with, with God. You discuss it with your family, whatever. I'll just ask you some questions. Are you exhausted? Are you exhausted? And the automatic answer, someone's going to say yes, but let me give you the, the reason. Are you exhausted from trying to keep up with blank? Are you mentally, physically, emotionally, financially exhausted from trying to keep up with blank? So much so that I've heard people tell me this. I wish I didn't know that so-and-so reached that. Because now that I know that, then I started comparing. Now I have to chase after it too. Like, do you almost wish sometimes you just, you didn't have Facebook, that you didn't have social media, that you never had Instagram? Because if you never had it, you never knew what other people did, you wouldn't be always chasing it. Are you exhausted from trying to reach fill in the blank? Number two, are you allowing, listen carefully to this one, are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what God has given to you? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what God has given to you? Like I said, you bought your house five years ago. You loved it because you finally went from that townhouse with one garage to the car to the house with the two garages. And then you loved it, you loved it, you loved it. It was the best thing in the whole wide world. And now everyone else, all of your friends have new houses and you hate your own house because now they have three car garages. Okay, and like, like a, now you, like you just how you walk in the garage like this, okay, because you feel like it's too tight now, all right? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what God has given to you? Can I be, can I push some buttons here? It's friends and family day, so I like to push buttons on friends and family. Maybe it's not a house. Maybe I can be a little more personal. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a spouse. That when you married her, she was the most beautiful woman in your eyes. She was always the most beautiful. But now you compare her. And the more you compare her, the more she's not so beautiful in your eyes. She didn't change. She's still your same wife. But your eyes changed. 
As long as you looked at her, she was the best. But you started to look around, and all of a sudden she becomes so great in your eyes. I'm being annoying, aren't I? Parents, how about your kids? I'm going to be real annoying on this one. Let me tell you one of my pet peeves. Parents, sometimes I want to ask parents, do you like your children? And I say that, and you laugh. I'm being dead serious. Do you like your children? Like, do you enjoy your children? Because all you do seem is to complain about them. And all you do seem to complain about how they're not like other people's kids. And they make your life. I'm asking you a question. Do you enjoy your children? Because if you don't, I'm saying this in all honesty, and I'm being dead serious. I know many people who would love to have your children, who have prayed for years to have a child just like yours and take them exactly as they are. Exactly as they are. Are you always trying to get your kid to be better than another person's kid? To make yourself feel like you're a good mom, or you're a good dad, or you're a spiritual home, or you're successful? Like, is it all about you? Or can you see your kids as they are? Maybe they're not good at sports. Maybe they'll never be in the highest reading group. Maybe they, they'll never make your life easy coming to church. Maybe they never sit still. But they're your kids. Do you enjoy them? Or you can't enjoy what God has given to you because you're always comparing to what God has given to others. See how dangerous this thing is? This thing is dangerous if you don't deal with it properly. Let's leave this question. Let's go back to the marriage question. Question number three. Is it possible that your spouse feels like you are dissatisfied with them because you're comparing them to others? Boom, I'm hitting you hard. Is it possible that your spouse feels like you are dissatisfied with them because you are comparing them to others all the time? And this applies to kids too, but I'm, I'm talking more spouse for this one. I'm not saying that you're going around saying, sweetheart, you should be more like the neighbor's wife. I'm not saying that because you're not an idiot. Like, you're not stupid enough to say that. Your wife would not, oh, thank you for reminding me how thin she is. Like, that's really very encouraging. Like, you're not dumb enough to say that. But you're constantly thinking that, and it's coming out in your words, in your comments, in your little snappy little the, the remarks that you make. And again, it could be with your kids, too. Might you be undermining the most important relationships in your life? Because in your head, you're comparing them to other people. And you're not just enjoying your kid, you're comparing your kid to other kids, and you're saying stuff, and you're thinking stuff. Last question. And you don't need to answer this one out loud. But who would you secretly enjoy see failing? Don't answer, don't look around, please don't point, like, just keep it to yourself, okay? Who would you secretly enjoy if you found out they were struggling in some aspect? There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's OCD. That's the disease. That's the disorder. Obsessive comparison disorder. And we need to do something about it. Because this is ugly. I don't want to hurt the most important relationships in my life. I don't want to be secretly happy at another person's failure. I don't want to be chasing after the wind the rest of my life. I want to find tranquility. And in this series, we're going to look at how we can do that practically but the starting point is who or what is going to be the reference point for my life. Let me share with you a story that I've shared this story before, but you know, some of you may remember, some may not. It's about my daughter. I have a daughter, uh, and her name is Lizzie. She's 11 years old. And one of the things that I started with Lizzie many years back when she was young is like when I tuck her in at night, 
and then I figure, all right, she's 11, so I only got a few more years of her tucking in, or maybe only a few more days, but I'll take it as long as I can get it. And when I tuck her in, we started this fun little game, okay, that we do where I ask her, hey, Lizzie, who's the most beautiful girl in the world? And she says, I am. And I say, you know why you're so beautiful? I say, is it because you have the most beautiful hair? And she knows, no, it's not because you have the most beautiful hair. Is it because of your eyes? The most beautiful eyes? She knows not the most beautiful eyes. Is it because of your ears, your nose, your eyeballs? We play this whole game. And it's no, no, no. And I tell her what makes you the most beautiful girl in the world is your heart. Oh, thank you very much. I deserve more than an aw. Fine, I'll take it. Why do I do that? I want my daughter to know this. That who determines her beauty? Now she's in sixth grade middle school. Who determines her beauty is not some idiot sixth grade boy. It's not some catty sixth grade girl. It's not some idiots on the TV or on the social media. They don't determine her beauty. I do. I'm your father. I tell you what's beautiful, and I'm the one who sets the reference point for what's beautiful and not beautiful. And I'm telling you, Lizzie, that you are beautiful, the most beautiful, because of something, listen carefully, something that you can't see, but I can see it. You can't see your heart, but I see your heart. And I'm telling you, that heart inside you, your friends may say, but your hair is not straight like ours. Your eyes aren't blue like ours. Your, your, you know, your, 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 I don't even want to say it, your curves, or I'm not my daughter, but okay, but you know what I'm saying. Your body's not like ours. But I'm telling you, that doesn't make you beautiful. Don't compare yourself to them. Don't, don't listen to what they say is beautiful. Listen to me. I'm your father. And I say that because I know the power and freedom that she will have if she really is able to live that way. And let me say the reverse of that. I know the prison that she's going to put herself in if she's unable to live that way. And I know the anxiety and the stress of living a life in a prison of other people's opinions of you. And where you measure up by everybody else. I don't want that for my daughter. And I don't want that for you. And our Heavenly Father doesn't want that for any of us. I want my daughter to think the following. I want her to think that she's fine because she's mine. Heard this phrase of poetry before. And I think if we ask our Heavenly Father, say, God, how do I measure up? You know what he would say? I'm taking some liberty to put some words in God's mouth here. But I think he'd say, You're fine because you're mine. Every parent at some point in time in their child's life will have that conversation with their kid. And say to their child, I wish you saw yourself the way I see you. Every parent will have that. That I wish you could see your potential the way I can. I wish you could see your value the way I can. Every parent's going to have that conversation. Get ready, parents, because it's coming. And I think our Heavenly Father has the same conversation with us on a day-to-day -day basis. And says, I wish you could see your potential. I wish you could see the beautiful way that I made you. I made you perfect. I made you unique. I made you like nobody else in the world. 
So why do you compare yourself to other people? I didn't make you like them. I could have made you like them, but I made you like you. Because I got a plan for you, and you are perfect. You're my workmanship. You're fine because you're mine. And if you can just imagine with me, just imagine. I know it's an impossible, but imagine that you could live one day in that place. One day that you didn't compare yourself with anybody. <sighs> one day where you're not trying to measure up to somebody else's standard. One day that you were just good enough as you are. I think that's where we need to try to get to. I'll leave you all with a verse right here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. St. Paul says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a long sentence, okay, and your grammar teachers wouldn't like it because it's lots and lots of commas, okay, no predicate or whatever it may be. But here's what I want to point out. Here's what St. Paul is saying. Those three words that are highlighted. Those three words. Can you read those words for me? What are those three words? They say what? They say chose, adoption, accepted. You see those words, right? Chose, adoption, accepted. So repeat after me. Everyone repeat after me. I am chosen. I am adopted. And I am accepted. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am accepted. Again, I am chosen. I am adopted. And I am accepted. Just as I am. And that's the best part. Is that when you find yourself looking left and right, scrolling up and down to compare yourself, you ask yourself, you say, I am chosen. When God chose you, did he know about your flaws? Did he know about your shortcomings? Did he know that you would not be as er as everyone else? That not be as successful? Your kids wouldn't be as smart? Did he know that? Yes, he did. I am chosen. I am adopted. When, wait, when God adopted me, did he knew that I would like struggle to pray? That I would fall in temptation? Did he know that like my, 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 my kids wouldn't be, you know, as clean as the other kids in church? So my kids would like pick their nose all the time in public. Did God know that? Yes, and he still adopted me. Here's the best. Is there anything about me that God didn't know when he accepted me? Did God, like, there was a piece of me, like, we were talking about the errs. Let's talk about the negative errs. Did God know that I would have an err of, like, proud, like proud err, that I'd be prouder, that I'd be judgier, that I would fall into more sins? Did God, did God know all of those when he accepted me? Yes. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am accepted. Just as I am. Your Heavenly Father doesn't compare you to anyone. You are a unique creation. And if a parent, if a parent of a child, have you ever gone to visit someone in the hospital, okay, when they had their baby? And this is so insensitive, I'm about to say, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> I've offended you, let me offend some more people, just in case I didn't offend somebody. You ever seen a parent, this doesn't apply to anyone in this room, okay, who just had a baby. And the baby's like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Okay. So you know what I'm saying. Okay, the beauty, you know, the baby's like, what would you do if you saw a parent who'd be like, you know what? He's great, but I really wish he looked more like that kid. 
Can you imagine a parent do that? Like, can you imagine in a million years, a parent be like, well, he's okay, but you know, like, maybe we'll switch things. <laughs> follow me on this one. Just follow me on this one. Okay, now I'm being dumb, but just follow me on this one. No matter how ugly we think the kid is. No matter. No matter how ugly we know the kid is, in the parents' eyes, just as the kid is, that's my kid. He's fine because he's mine. Accept it, just because he's mine. And you know what? If the parent were like, that, if the parent wasn't accepting him just as he is, let's say the parent now doesn't accept the kid just as he is, does that say more about the kid or more about the parent? To your heavenly father, looks at each one of us today, your heavenly father and my heavenly father, and looks at you today and looks at me today. So stop comparing yourself to the other kids in the nursery. I know that kid got straighter hair than you. I know that kid, you know, can control his bowel movements better than you. Like, I don't know. But you're you. And I created you as you. So stop comparing yourself. You make yourself crazy. I'm your reference point. Because I'm your heavenly father. And you're fine because you're mine. My prayer is that through this series, that God would teach us how to live a life in that freedom versus living in the prison of comparing ourselves. Because I promise you, it is a prison and will kill you. But through this series, I pray that God would open our eyes and teach us how we can live with him as our ultimate reference point and true freedom. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you see all of our ugliness, yet you still choose us. You've adopted us into your family. You've accepted us just as we are. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in the power of that understanding, that we would not constantly be trying to please others or measuring ourselves by other people, but just looking up. Not left and right, but just looking up and seeing you as our reference point. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in that freedom every single day. We ask this in the name of your Son, with the prayers of all of your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.